Um, our lesson tonight comes from Hebrews chapter 6. The reason for not going back to Habakkuk, <laughs> I was asked to do a lesson, the lectureship. I got a last, I won't say a last minute call, a couple of days ago. And so I went ahead and prepared that lesson, and so you get to hear it this evening. Uh, like I usually do, you get to be the guinea pigs, and so that's what you are again uh, this evening. We're looking at the topic of holding God's anchor. And it was interesting that when I was, went online to look for pictures of anchors, really all types of different things uh, came up. And when you think about anchors and their purpose, you know that their purpose is really one fold. That is to keep you from drifting too far away. Really the, the length of the chain is really designed to keep you within that radius and it's designed the anchor's purpose is to keep you from going beyond that whether it be because you're anchored and trying to get to the dock or you're trying to uh, stay within the storm, whatever the case may be. But how important are anchors? You imagine what would happen if you were dropped your anchor because of a storm and it failed. We know that bad things uh, would happen. You'd be set loose in the midst of that storm. We want to look this evening at God's anchor and what it means to hold on to God's anchor as we look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. And we're going to begin by looking at the text here, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20, beginning here looking at uh, verse four, th- verses 13, 14, and uh, 15. First, we want to notice, as you look at the text here in verses 14 and 15, we're going to jump around a little bit here a little uh, from time to time. We find in verses 14 and 15 in Hebrews 6, he says, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so he had, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Looking at verse 13, he says, For God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Verses 13 through 15. You think about this idea, we find that God makes a promise. We find in verse 13 here, He made a promise because He could, as the text says, He could swear by no one greater, which means there is no one greater than Himself by which He could swear by. We hear people say sometimes, and it's blasphemous, I swear to, and they're swearing by the name of God. Well, we find here in verse 13, it's God who's making this promise or making this oath. And he, he makes this promise, as the Bible says there in verse 13, he, makes this, he swears by himself because there was no one greater in which he could make that promise by. When you find, look at verses 14 and 15, that God made an oath of Abraham, and we know that he kept that oath. He says in verse 14, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That is, God's promise was fulfilled through Abraham. And Abraham's, the purpose for his, of his promise through Abraham was fulfilled. And so God confirmed this oath, this promise. We think about the importance of promises. We know sometimes people make promises and they're, sometimes they're kept, sometimes they're not. But we find, of course, as we know as we look throughout the scriptures, that God always keeps his promises. He always, when he makes a promise or an oath, he always keeps it. God has confirmed by that oath, we're swearing by himself because there is no one greater. It is impossible for him to lie, and he does not change his purpose. We know that God has relented from, at different times in order to save or allow people a chance to repent. We saw that with Psalm and Gomorrah, but his purpose has not changed, and that purpose is to save mankind and to have them come to be able to join him in heaven one day by their obedience to his command. That has never changed. 
He made a promise to Abraham, and he had a promise, uh, and, he, and he had a purpose for Abraham, and he fulfilled both of those things. As we look at verses 16 through 18, he says, "For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end to all dispute, which means they make this oath by the greatest thing they can think of, and that's the end of it, right? That's the end of that dispute." Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, that is, those who are going to be faithful followers of Him, the immutability of His counsel, that is, His counsel doesn't change, confirmed it by an oath. An oath which He confirmed, He swore by His own name, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. He made a promise to Abraham, and he had a purpose for Abraham, and he fulfilled both of those things. Now, we're going to look at this text a little bit more later as we continue through this. We find that he made a promise to Abraham, and he kept it. And just as he kept that promise to Abraham, he keeps that promise to his heirs as well. Those who are faithful followers of God today, God still keeps his promises to them as well. We want to notice here as we look at verses 19 and following, or verses 19 and 20, we find this hope, which is unchangeable, is, which is unchangeable because God's word, His promises, His law, is what brings hope for us. And as we're going to see later, this hope is what the anchor is for the Christian today. Because God does not change His promises, because His law does not change, because His desire for mankind does not change, and He has made that promise that He wants us to have heaven as our home by our obedience to His commands. Those things do not change. Therefore, we have a hope, and that hope is our anchor. He says in verse 19, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Sure and steadfast means it does not move. The best kind of anchor is one that you drop, and it stays where you dropped it. It is not easily pulled away. The current... The current will not easily cause it to lift and drift away. It's going to hit and it's going to secure itself and it's going to keep you where you need to be. And we find here that this hope is our anchor, as he says here, of the soul. That is, it keeps us where we ought to be. Because we know that God wants us to have heaven as our home, because we know He has revealed in His Word what He wants us to do, and because that hasn't changed, we can have the hope that when we obey His Word, we will have heaven as our home one day. In verse 20 it says, Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. As we find here, Christ has entered into uh, these places for us. He says in verse 20, uh, verse 19 rather, in which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, which means Jesus has made it possible for us to go to God through Him by a sacrifice on the cross. We're now able to go to God through Christ. And because of what Christ has done, He has made Himself the sacrifice for our sins. He entered behind the veil for us when He laid down His life for all mankind. And we know he, he is, became the high priest forever according to the order or after the order of Melchizedek as high priests are established. And so we find here, as we look at verses 13 through 20, that God makes promises and he keeps those promises. Among those promises are eternal life. And because he cannot lie, as we saw earlier in verses 16 and following there, because he cannot lie, as the Bible says, it's actually impossible for him to lie then a Christian has hope 
for the life that waits for us. Let's continue here looking out more closely at this oath and this anchor that we find here in Hebrews chapter 6. God made a promise to Abraham in verses 13 and 14. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Whenever you make a promise, we today do it upon our own word, but here this oath is the idea that you swear by something that's greater than yourself. Some people, some people would swear, as the New Testament bears out, some would swear by the temple, some would swear by the gold of the temple, and so on and so on. But here, God points out here that in this text we have for us that he could swear by no one greater because it was God who was making this promise. He swore by himself. He has done the same for us today. He made a promise to Abraham and he kept it. He has done the same for the church today. To those who believe Christ is the Son of God and obey the gospel, they will be saved. Look at verse 14, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. The church also will grow, just as Abraham's seed spread, so will those who are who are of the church. When they obey the gospel, the church is growing, the, the seed in that sense is spreading. Thus the kingdom of God will be multiplied just like Abraham's seed as we find here in verse 14. He was blessed and we will be blessed too when we follow and obey his will. We look at next the anchor in verses 18 and 19. He says that by, by two immutable things in which it is not possible for God to lie. The word of God that includes his promises and his unchanging purpose brings hope for mankind. He says it is impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong constellation who have fled for, for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. To lay hold of the hope that is set before us. The hope is the hope of eternal life, which we only have in God, who has revealed to us how to have heaven as our home. And because he has made a promise for, makes promises to us concerning that we are obedient, we will have heaven as our home. Therefore we have that hope, and that is our anchor of the soul. He says in verse 19, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The word of God includes many promises made by God. We look at the Old Testament, we find God made numerous promises to the prophets and to nations that they would do certain things, that they would have promises that, we, that God would carry out for them. And when they followed His word, He did carry out those promises. How they would be, be able to have all the things they need in this life. How they would be able to conquer nations and how they would be able to not fear their enemies and things such as that. And for us today, God has made promises for us as well. That when we use His, the hope He provides for us as our anchor, that is when we, are, when we keep His word, we believe His promises, and we hold His unchanging purpose, which is for mankind to have heaven as their home, then we can have hope and we can't hold on to that anchor that does not fall away. You think about some reasons why we should hold to God's anchor. There are different types of anchors today when you think about it, uh, in a, and not just in a spiritual sense, but there's different types of anchors around us today. Man-made anchors can fail. Anchors can be lost due to heavy wind, they can be lost due to bad weather or strong currents. Another reason that the chains holding the anchor many times can break. The anchor can grow weak over time and rust and then begin to deteriorate. The next thing you know, it breaks off and it doesn't do what it's supposed to be doing. 
The world holds to anchors that constantly fail. We can think of many things, I'm sure, in our own minds, what people hold on to for hope, what people cling to for hope. However, these anchors, these man-made anchors, they shift in the sand. They fail to provide security and quickly break apart. An anchor that does not hold hold on to what it's supposed to hold on to, whether it be a rock or the, the, the bedrock of the, of, the, of the ocean you're in or the sea, whatever it may be, but doesn't hold on to what and grab hold and keep, your, keep you still, then it's not worth anything, is it? An anchor that fails, an anchor that breaks apart is one that should be tossed aside and replaced by something much stronger. The anchor of the Christian, our anchor, and because it is God, He never falters. His anchor never falters. Because His words never change. His words never change. We think about how long we've had God's word, and yet it has stayed the same. We think about how many times mankind has changed their mind and just pick a topic, and you know that it has, mankind has changed their mind numerous times. We're talking about how, how the earth began. Well, they've changed that numerous times. We're talking about when, when life began. Well, they've changed that numerous times. And on and on the list goes. Therefore, if it changes constantly, can you really trust it? Well, no. An anchor is meant to be true and lasting and unchanging. An anchor... In the physical sense, only changes when it deteriorates. But God, uh, God never falters. He never changes. His anchor, the hope He gives us, never fades away. By the sacrifice of Christ, we have the ability to approach God through prayer and one day to have heaven as our home. But these blessings are conditional in our obedience to the gospel and making God, His promises, His laws, the hope He provides for us, our anchor. We think about how God never changes. We must remember God never falters. He, he never falters on His promises or in His purpose for man. And this brings us hope, and this hope is our anchor. Not a false hope or some pipe dream. You ever bought something whether it be on, in the store or online, and you get it home, and it's not what you thought it was going to be. It doesn't serve it's the purpose you want it for. You order something online, you get it in, it's a lot smaller than what you thought it was going to be. Or it's ridiculously large. I remember one time, <laughs> I told someone, I'd like a, a large wrench for my a present. And it was a large wrench. I mean, they got what I asked. It was that big. It was huge. Now, that wasn't exactly what I had in mind. They gave me what I asked for, but it wasn't exactly what we had in mind. Now, we think about the anchor today. Sometimes when people look at something to hold on to, after a while, they begin to find out it's not what they thought it was, right? People put their trust in others and realize that we really can't rely on them. Well, they put their, their, their trust in some type of entity, whether it be, you know, pick one, government or business or economy, and they realize later it's not what they, what they would hope it would be. It's not going to secure them. So God gives us true hope. 
A hope that is based upon Him who never changes, His desire for mankind to be saved. So when we think about this hope, we have a, truly do have a hope that is the anchor of our soul. The most important thing in life which needs an anchor is our soul because we don't want to drift in the spiritual sense, do we? A boat that has no anchor and is drifting in the sea, sooner or later it's either going to capsize, it's going to roll over and sink, it's going to strike something, it's going to fill up with water and sink, or the waves are just going to crash against it, break it apart, and it's going to be all over. The Christian cannot afford to have an anchor that allow that to happen to them. We cannot afford to use a faulty anchor to allow us to be slammed to the temptations of the world. We cannot afford to have an anchor that allow us to be broken up by the winds of false doctrine. And we cannot use an anchor to allow us to be overtaken by the waves of sin and the waves of worldliness and godlessness. We must have a true anchor. Think about this for a moment as we think about some lessons for us today. When mankind chooses the wrong anchor, he dies. We die. You take a, a, a fisherman or a sailor out in the ocean with, with, with an anchor that will not work, they're probably not going to, want to even leave the dock. Because one of the most important things they can have is an anchor that will secure them in some way. Think about this. What good is a life raft full of holes or a life vest that doesn't float? If someone wants to toss you one of those orange circles, I forget what they're called exactly, but they're designed for you to grab a hold on, they're going to pull you in. What happens when they threw that out, they just went right to the bottom. It's not worth anything. Or you put on that life vest, you jump in the water, and you don't float. Or you pull that string in that raft, and it does not air up. It just, and then that's it. Well, that's like an anchor that, that's like grabbing a hold of the wrong anchor as well, isn't it? We throw an anchor overboard that is broken and rusty, that when it hits the bottom of the, of, the, of the floor, the floor of the water where you're at, the ground, it breaks apart, it's worthless. It's like that raft full of holes or that vest that won't float. When we choose the wrong anchor, we'll be set, we will be set loose into the waves of the world, and we will have no hope of rescue. I'm watching a show lately that involves fishermen and involves, because they're at it, involves also the Coast Guard if something happens. And it's interesting, we know, we think of the Coast Guard, we think of brave men and women, right, going out and trying to rescue people who are in very dangerous situations. What's interesting is there's even situations which they come up upon, they say, we can't get in there. Our boats are too far away. The wind is way too strong and too cold. In one instance, they say we can't get any closer because the cold air in that freezing water that came in would freeze their engines. They'd crash. What's the point of saving someone if you're just going to crash, right? And they had, in that instance, they had to wait for them to climb out to a different area. There are times in life that we're not careful. We're going to find ourselves where we can't be saved unless we're with God. The world will put us in positions in which we, there is no hope unless we turn to God. When we choose the wrong anchor, we will be set loose into the ways of the world, and we will have no hope of rescue. But man is saved when he chooses the right anchor. The Christian has that anchor, as we're reminded there in verse 19. 
This hope we have as an anchor, an anchor of the soul. The Christian can hold the anchor of God that endures all time. God's word does not go away, therefore his promises do not go away, they do not fade, they do not expire with time, they do not have a statute of limitations, they endure for all time. Therefore his promises, which provide us hope, are our true and lasting anchor. Think about this for a few moments. We sing a song of God's anchor when we sing songs such as we have an anchor and hold fast or hold to God's unchanging hand, right? Those two songs are ones that came to my mind. Obviously the first one, we have an anchor, right? We've ever seen God. But also think about that second song, hold to God's unchanging hand. If God changed His laws constantly, would we really have much hope of eternal life? If his laws change, he become a God showing partiality, having us, giving us no true anchor to hold on to. That's why I think about songs like Hold to God's Unchanging Hand, which tells us he does not change. If his hand doesn't change, nothing else changes either. His laws doesn't, do not change. His will for mankind does not change. God's promises are always fulfilled, and his word is unchanging. And so for that reason, we must hold to the anchor of truth. We must hold to God's unchanging hand. Which brings us to a few questions. What is your anchor today? We have to ask ourselves, what are we holding on to for security? When things begin to get difficult, or when we're unsure, many times that's where our true hope, our true anchor comes out, isn't it? You put someone in a difficult situation, you begin to see where their faith really is, right? If you were to leave here tonight, and I don't will this to happen or desire for happening, but if you were to leave here tonight and get in an accident and you found yourself in an ambulance, what's the first thing you should be doing? Shouldn't we be praying? Shouldn't we be going to God? If we found ourselves struck with some type of sickness, COVID, or anything else, it really doesn't matter. Shouldn't we go to God in prayer? When we find a loved one who is on their deathbed, so to speak, where do we go to? Do we curse God and reach out to friends, or do we go to God and plead with Him? You know, even in times when we may not think our loved ones will survive difficult situations. You know, remember David with Bathsheba? We mentioned him this morning a little bit. I think it was in our Bible class. He knew the child was going to die because God told him it was going to die, right? That was part of the price of his sin. The child had to die. But doesn't the Bible also tell us that David prayed and fasted until the very, very end? He knew it was going to happen, but he still prayed, didn't he? We, we may find ourselves in situations we realize, you know, this person, because of their certain situation, they may not make this out, but I'm going to pray for them anyway. Because we truly have no idea what God desires for us when it comes to us, how long we're going to live on this earth. We may live until Christ comes back, we may not. But where we go to in times of trouble, in times of worry, shows where our true faith rests, doesn't it? If we can't go to God in times of worry, why would we bother going to Him any other time? 
He's not a, a good time God when things are going well, we pray to Him and thank Him for it. He's an all the time God when things are going well, when things aren't. But ask yourself, what is your first reaction when you find yourself in need for whatever reason? What is your first reaction? Because if it's not going to God, it's the wrong reaction. We recognize sometimes when things happen, we want to call loved ones and things such as that. Before we reach for that phone, we need to be reaching for God as well. Because our faith, our anchor is revealed by our actions. And we want to make sure that God, first and foremost, knows that we put our trust, that we put our faith completely and totally in Him. Because no matter what help we receive from others, there's no guarantee it's always going to be there. There's no guarantee it's always going to be enough. In regards to how others may help us, and no doubt we'll be thankful for that, we should always, always make sure that God is the one whom we cling to. I remember when I was younger, and I'll end with this short, short illustration. When I was younger, before I realized I had a fear of heights, my brothers and I would go rock climbing when we, when we were younger. When I say rock climbing, I'm, keeping, I'm talking about 10, 15 foot rocks, right? Nothing, not Mount Everest. We'd go out to the campgrounds. We camped a lot when I was younger. And I remember vividly on one occasion we were, we were climbing and playing around in one area. And I reached up and grabbed what I thought was a big, thick root from a tree. And I was going to pull up on that root and move forward. We can imagine what happened, right? That wasn't something to hang on to. And friends, when we grab hold of the wrong anchor today, the same thing is going to happen. It's going to snap and give way, and we better make sure we know where we're going to be grabbing on to. Make sure we don't reach for that one that is not going to hold us, but reach for the right one the first time. This evening, we can help you or encourage you in any way. You can come forward now together we stand and sing the song that's been selected.